You're listening to What's in the Box, the Xbox News Reviews, Theories, and Conspiracies podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh Hutton. Joining me tonight, we have a man who looms tall and strong over this podcast, like the Great Wall of China, Kyle Sandin. I will, on occasion, get lazy and let warmongers through from time to time, but I have a great personality, so... For a while, you're very personable. That's right. We also have a man <laughs> as persistent and reliable as a tank in Tiananmen Square, Brooks Nickel. Where have all the flowers gone? <laughs> that, was, that was the same thing, right? <laughs> concrete now. Yep. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking. I'm talking about the guy sitting in front of the tanks. What are you talking? Yeah, about? well, when they put the flowers in the end of the in the rifles, or was that it? Uh, somewhere, never mind. <laughs> I think we're just gonna sit here till you can Google and find the answer. Just nobody talk. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, Please, God, no. All right. Um, (laughs) Before we get started, we have a special announcement to make. So last week, we thought Tencent, our beloved sponsor, had paid us in rice cakes. Well, in a fit of rage, we threw the rice cakes on the ground, only to discover they were packed with Bitcoins. So many Mm -hmm. fucking Bitcoins. It was like when Mario hits one of those blocks and it makes the coin noise. It was the same experience. <laughs> so we had to ask ourselves, are we so fickle that we would sell out our affinity for free speech and inappropriate humor for a shitload of Bitcoins? And, well, to answer that, I'm going to toss it over to our recently returned and reformed co-host, Hunter Seelock. <laughs> Josh. After some Welcome intense soul-searching... A lot of Garth Brooks ballads and voluntarily analyzing compilations of Norinco Type 15 light battle tanks crushing a variety of Dodge Chargers, I've come to the unbidden realization that nothing is more American than taking Chinese money. Would you, the faithful listener and comrade in virtual arms, tell me that Marvel or Star Wars isn't American? Of course not. The various holdings of Disney and others influence this country more than anything. This side of Deborah Sweet Brown Wilkins. These entities, these monoliths of Western entertainment are as American as apple pie or bombing a Muslim wedding party in Yemen. Therefore, I say to our Chinese brethren, we at What's in the Box will humbly accept your wand, preferably in the form of crypto for tax purposes. I am not right. the rest. That way they don't know it's Chinese. I like it. <laughs> Oh, welcome back to the show, Hunter. Good to have you, bud. Huzzah. <laughs> we have all the Bitcoins. We can say what we want. Well, well said, Hunter. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Tencent. Tencent, we make the games you're playing, even if we didn't. Lovely company. <laughs> all right. So uh, on this episode, we'll be reviewing Risk of Rain 2. We're going to talk uh, Control but first, a bit of news. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. You've become a resident historian on all things Fallout 76. Uh, yes. <laughs> news again this week. Uh, <laughs> tell us what's going the, on. The Layers of Hell Saga continues. <laughs> the Layers uh, of Hell Saga. Now, the higher level players have gotten bored again and are starting to grief pacifist players 
my god. By using environmental hazard damage in the form of radiation from nuka mines. So people, uh, in the article says people are just sitting there using uh, vending machines at this place, and the next thing you know, they're dying from uh, the radiation damage from these these mines, even if they're pacifist. That's excellent. So in, in Fallout 76, if you get if you get shot by a player, it doesn't activate combat until you shoot back. I think you, you might yes. take like a nominal amount of damage yeah, or good something. Explanation. And so these people are so psychotically bored that they're finding ways to game that and still just troll people um, who are just trying to, I guess, buy things out of vending machines. That's great. That's great. You mm-hmm. have a class you war. Get... <laughs> you have <laughs> the, the mass execution of pacifists. This is a great game right now. I mean, what... what's funny is then the, they were like, and the, so the only t- way to get around it is either finding a new session or buy the Fallout First service for a private server. Yeah. <laughs> private convenience. So yeah, it's, it's an inside job. Join, you got to join the aristocracy. <laughs> it's an inside job. The, the private servers not. Who private. else is playing this game Don't other forget. than the developers that made it themselves? That's true, Bricks. <laughs> right. the, game, the private true. servers aren't private. There's no escape. Yeah, uh, speaking of no escape, the uh, Games Awards has had a number of controversies over the years, and they didn't escape a controversy this year. Brooks, tell us what's going on. Yeah, there was a lot of grabbing of private areas. Oh shit! Um, oh, never mind. That's a different article. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, so, back up, back up. It's back something up. much less exciting. Um, so, this article is again from Kotaku. Uh, but yeah, so Death Stranding got what, like nine nominations this year, including mm-hmm. Game of the Year and some other stuff. Um, so, to sum this article up, uh, people were we're kind of leaning towards the idea that uh, because of Kojima's friendship with uh, this Geoff Keeley, uh, I say Geoff because it's spelled G E O F F. Uh, you know, he comes from money. Uh, yeah. I believe that's, that's yeah. Joff. Uh, <laughs> somebody in that scenario was mistaken. a prick. So whoever, whoever decides to go that way. Uh, but apparently these guys are pretty good friends um, going back to, uh, I believe he is the one on stage that accepted the award on behalf of Kojima when yes. he told not to show up uh, for Metal Gear Solid. Uh, so they've got a pretty good friendship. And while he doesn't vote, he's the sole person that puts it on every year. <laughs> like yeah. The show. Uh, so that the people are saying, you know, that that weighs into how, how people vote. But I yeah, guess there's Death Stranding. I haven't played it personally. And it's gotten a lot of really rough reviews, but people that like it really like it. Sure. People that hate it really hate it. There's just no middle ground on it. Yeah. So well, I think Kojima's that... also on like the board of that yeah. group. And so like it's just kind of a it it just doesn't look good. And I'm not saying there's anything nefarious going on, but it just the optics of it looks terrible. Because Jeff Keeley is in Death Stranding. Like he's an yeah. NPC <laughs> in the game. Yeah. And then at his awards uh, show, this game that's so divisive that a lot of people have just fucking taken the shit on. And a lot of people, like I said, really love it. But it's weird for it to be leading the pack with nine nominations whenever it's, like a, it's so mixed on its reception. 
it's like Keely just walking out on stage and being like, uh, and uh, the winner of the best supporting character uh, actor in a video game is, oh, oh my God, Jeff Keely. Yeah. Congratulations, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's that meme of Obama giving Biden a medal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly uh, what's going to happen. Uh, that's pretty much all there is to that. Um, a little, little bit of a scandal, but I just, to me, it doesn't seem like it's it's a huge deal. Sure, um, I don't think anything's gonna come of it. You know, other than I think it'd be fun to do an episode sometime where we delve into like games criticism because I think it is in a really weird spot. It's such a different animal than like movie criticism or music. Like, it's almost every outlet is way too positive. Okay, this is so weird. It forces viewers to digest usually quite complex you know artistic oh, endeavors sure. and in a very short time and then give an opinion on them and i don't think that's fair a lot of the time yeah which is not what i did for the game control that we'll be talking about later <laughs> this episode uh, of course of course yeah no, I, I agree completely. It's it's generally a rush to publish first. And I think that's one reason I like embargoes that are set still before the release date, but have like kind of gates all the critics at a point like, hey, here's your window to play the game, spend time with it. Here's when you can put the review up. Whenever you kind of lock everybody into that same time frame, it's it's almost better than not letting the press get your game before day one, because if if you do that and they don't play it till the same time everybody else is, generally speaking, they're just burning through it and they're not really seeing all the game has to offer. Right. Yeah, and, it, and it, it can work well for certain games. I mean, like really linear, you know, kind of story-driven games, uh, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, yeah. you know, Tomb Raider. Yeah, Gears. Uncharted Gears, those games that you can burn through really quick. I mean, I, I can understand that, but when you're trying to review something like, you know, Grand Theft Auto V, or no. you know the, the Witcher or something large like that, you're not gonna understand it wholeheartedly. Not in the amount of time you have to. <sighs> Anyways, I think I've made myself perfectly redundant, so I'll digress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, perfectly redundant. Let's talk about a battle royale <laughs> on Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> oh, just what it needed. Uh, yes, and IGN. This, this is IGN by Joseph Knoop. Uh <laughs> Uh, so a, a, some Reddit user, this shout none of this has been one. shout out. None of this it's has been confirmed by Activision. Uh, so keep that in mind. But it was originally posted by a Reddit user Siniscalo, S E N E S C A L L O, reported by Eurogamer. There's some kind of data mine or a leak that's not been made clear, at least not where I've seen it. But there, that Modern Warfare is going to be doing a battle royale. Just real quick, some of the some of the highlights here is going to be a player count of two hundred. That's it, huh? Yeah, that's all. It's going to be arriving roughly twenty twenty, and it's going to have both of the big ground war maps and one of the spec ops map in like all in one. So it's going to be a huge map, and that's all well and good. But the thing that's kind of caught my attention is one of the there's going to be a new feature called the Gulag, where when you get knocked out. There's going to be one v one battles in the gulag where the victor gets to respawn, and apparently this everybody else who has died is spectating. So like, there's not a bunch of one v one battles going on like in different instances. Basically, like <laughs> there's one battle at a time, and everybody watches it gladiator style. 
That uh, sounds so fucking cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think so. I hope it works like it yeah, is in my head because I'll do you one better. The spectators get to place bets on who's going to win this 1v1. <laughs> They're going to get to the gambling game like everybody else. Yeah, got to get there, <laughs> get in there to earn you some plunder. I can see this scenario now. One That's of us awesome. is still alive. Two of us are spectating. Our buddy, yeah. probably, probably Josh in a 1v1. Josh I'll be wins. betting in the gulag. Josh wins, I guess. Josh is Brooks, my cousin. Oh, I didn't lose a bunch of money betting against you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so you get this plunder. Kyle will be throwing fights and betting against the opponent. That's what Kyle's going to be doing. That's right. That seems like, that seems like Kyle. <laughs> Take or... a dive. For Gotta win my car. <laughs> Gotta get the bit pass. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Thank you. Wait a second. Yeah, we need to throw an intervention on Kyle's white ass real quick. Yeah, yeah, intervention. Kyle, you are spending entire evenings logging in and out of GTA. <laughs> Just do the free spin over and over again. I'm not the only it's one. It's getting out of hand. It is not. It's like a expensive car. It would take more hours than that to grind out the damn car. We just miss your company, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. We miss your presence. And time is, is, is money. Fun? It doesn't seem fun. <laughs> it's not because I'm watching myself lose in fantasy while I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, goodness. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, I was just sorry for interrupting, Hunter. Oh no, you're just good. Had to throw an intervention <laughs> out Hunter, I, Hunter, I think that do you not agree that call, this Call of Duty feels like it's almost kind of built for a battle royale? Yeah, if the time to kill wasn't so damn quick, I guess. I mean, they're gonna that you can't. Yeah. They're gonna have to do something about that, which surely they will. I mean, I'm sure I, I don't know. Be tiered pickups like body yeah. armor again and stuff like that. It does feel like every, all the uh, mechanics are already there. The jumping out and parachuting from helicopters, the driving the vehicles, all of the pieces are already there for a BR game. The maps are there. My thing is, if they really combine all those maps, most of those maps are just kind of massive urban areas with little pockets of open areas. Like I, I don't yeah. know how much fun that map would be. I, I don't right. know. Looks like some, looks speaking, like some the real urban ranges, areas are, but they're not very large. Super claustrophobic. Like, yeah, certainly. But there's going to be a billion people there, so lots of fun for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you get you spend your uh, plunder that you win betting on your friends at ATMs in the game when you get respawned, apparently, and the person with the most plunder and at the end of the match gets recognized for their effort. So that seems neat, I guess. Aww. If you're into <laughs> efforts betting, particip- yeah. If you're into participation <laughs> trophies, and when you bank this at an ATM, an alarm goes off and alerts nearby players because we need to make this game fucking harder to survive. Uh, apparently, occasionally there's a jailbreak where everybody in the gulag set free. It's not clear what sets that off. You only get to respawn once, so you Ooh, can't. No, that's fun. These games aren't going to just keep going and going. Uh, okay, that's what I was worrying about. Right, and then if like if one of your teammates gets down, you can take your teammate to an ambulance 
with a respawn. You have to have a respawn token. It's not clear how you get Ooh. those or how common those are. Like if you if you spawn with one or you have to loot them, it's not clear. And you to get them into the gulag, and then they got to win their one v one. So it doesn't just bring them back immediately. But in the game, in like on the map, there's going to be little side missions like capture and domination points or killing certain players or collecting scavenger crates, some shit like that. So that seems like that could be kind of neat. Uh, and it's also not clear yet if this is going to be DLC or free. And I can't emphasize this enough. This isn't clear if this is even fucking real. Activision has said dick yeah, off. True. But as according to this IGN article, uh, that's, that's kind of the information on that. So honestly, it kind of seems cool. A new little spin on some battle royale. Yeah. Sounds too busy to me. <laughs> Sounds awful fucking busy. But I'll give yeah. it a go. Yeah, same. I remember in, uh, give give this thing that hasn't even been confirmed yet a rating of ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, uh, ninety eight. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, ninety eight. Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh, the fuck? fuck? Ripping on us now? Shit? God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> Fire up the typewriters. Yep. That's right. <laughs> um, I did see, like, right before the game came out, somebody, it might have been that Drifter guy again, he had went to Activision to play the game, and he said there was a fourth, you know how on the menu it's like campaign or whatever, multiplayer, co-op on the right, and there's three little menu options. Right. Um, he said whenever he was there, there were four. And it was just blank on the fourth one. And so then when the game launched, there were just three. So there was that. And then, you know, we discussed before, it's like the game feels like it's missing some sort of emergent gameplay experience to kind of stand out at this time in the FPS genre. And this certainly would do that and seems like it has its own unique spins. I like the idea of having, like, clear mission objectives or trying to hunt down certain players, stuff like that. Uh, That kind of thing would add a lot more dimension and, and purpose to a BR game. Um, I don't know. A lot of other ideas sound good, but I'm with you. The high player count, I don't, if they were really combining those maps, I'd a little leery of that. I'll, I'll, I'll go into it with a, with a, with an open mind with that extra stuff in there. Cause you know, part of my, part of my problem with BR games is you'll you spend 30 minutes looting and then you die from God knows where. So if you have an extra opportunity, that's why I liked Apex more than PUBG after it came out and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause you had an opportunity to get back in the game when you, when you were dead, it wasn't automatically mm-hmm. the end of it. So with another opportunity to get back in the round, it may be, it may be enough to, to hook me on it. We'll see. It sounds, sounds interesting. Suffer Call of Duty is probably about to start changing too. I mean, they're getting close to that time frame they said where they'd start putting out like a battle pass and all that kind of shit. So the game is going to start to be monetized more heavily and all that. Right. I mean, it's about a yeah, tickets, little shift. So um, we'll see how all that pans out. I almost, I really thought they would tie the monetization to the same time they released a new mode or something to kind of, you know, capitalize on, on that, but we'll see. Um, but since this game is, you know, if that rumor ends up being true, um, it would be moving more into the realm of game as service. Earlier this year, I think in May, we did an episode where we were talking about how the release schedule for this year was so bleak that we thought it was going to be the year of games as service, um, where a lot of those kind of year after year favorite games 
we're we're really gonna be able to capitalize on a lack of major AAA releases in the fall. So games like Overwatch, Rainbow Six, Fortnite, PUBG, Apex, GTA, Destiny. Um, we we were kind of talking about it's gonna be their mm-hmm. year to to stand out. And so I wanted to revisit that discussion since we're we're toward the end of the year now and keep the discussion separate from like a. Uh, an episode where we're discussing the best games and stuff because we want to give that episode enough space. Let's start with Overwatch, and this is one where I'm probably not going to have a shit ton to say, but I'm kind of curious, Hunter and Brooks, and, and you, Kyle, I mean, you've, you've played more than I have in yeah. the last few months. Um, how do you guys feel about the changes that game made? Do you think it did enough to capitalize on the lack of, of a AAA presence in the fall? Um, Overwatch, I think it, it's got its... It has its audience pretty well locked down. You know what I'm saying? If that's the kind of game you're looking for, it does it the best. You know, where the team composition is key. I think it does that better than anything. But I do think the the role queue, dude, it made it so much more fun. Uh, But it made it feel fresh where you weren't getting four snipers on your team. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just a DPS. (laughs) slammed team and uh, i feel like they, they executed it pretty well the the wait times weren't as bad as i feared they would be uh you still get two snipers on your team <laughs> you can still get two snipers on your team certainly yeah, and you get I, pack healers like there's still some really frustrating things about it because somebody will pick up moira who will heal as fast as anybody and faster than most uh but they they just battle moira the whole time so like there's still some really frustrating things about that game but they pretty well got that audience locked in as far sure. as the the team comp type of stuff, and uh, I, it was fresh enough for me. Frankly, I mean, I played it as much as I did in the past, which I, I have never played it a, a shitload, but but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great change. Yeah, yeah newer skins it's, were good. That's what got me back was that uh, Bastion Lego skin. Oh yeah, yeah. They they cool. always knock those out of the park, dude. Their their cosmetics mm-hmm. are fantastic and free for the most part. Yeah, they've they had exactly. consistently. They consistently pump out new content too. Yeah, new, new heroes. Oh, and then yeah. with uh, with Overwatch two, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like the only reason for you to buy that is if you want the campaign mode. But right. any new heroes that release, you're still going to have with mm-hmm. Overwatch because Overwatch is still going to be the awesome. platform for the games. So. Yeah, Blizzard's one that I would love to boycott because of some of the shiftier things that they've done. Uh, before my Agreed. reformation, but now that's not a problem <laughs> for me. And uh, <laughs> but they're they're so good, like all, like that, like they give away all. I mean, there's no DLC. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a few skins they've done. Like they did a mercy skin for like fifteen dollars, but it was for breast cancer awareness or something like that. Your right. breast cancer. Oh, like, yeah, they've, done that. Some, yeah. they've done some stuff like that, but uh, but they don't charge you ten dollars to be able to play the new hero mm-hmm. or the new map. So you know what I'm saying? And they got Blizzard money. They can do that. Overwatch has its own league and all that. They got plenty of money to be able to do that. But uh, I don't know. I think it's great. I'll probably buy Overwatch too because I want to play the campaign on it. Oh, yeah. That trailer's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, it looks badass. Yeah. I Two things I want to say on this. Really quick on the roll queue. The only negative I saw on that was that if you really wanted to play in it, an attacker DPS type character that sucked because you were yeah. running into queue times of five, six minutes generally. Um, right. And, and for me, like so much of playing a game is just like the rhythm of it and getting in and, and match stuff. Like if I'm just sitting on a fucking screen forever, I'm probably gonna play something else. Um, and so that, was, that was a turn off to me. 
No, dude, I have an SSD. I don't have to sit on any screens on Destiny. Oh, yeah, I'm the peasant. Flex. Wait forever on Destiny. Same yeah. here. Same yeah, here. That's going to change your life when you guys get one. That's gonna You're going to be like, oh, shit. I know. Yeah. I keep meaning to. But yeah, no, that, yeah, for sure. If you, if you were by yourself or with a buddy, God forbid, and you're two of you queuing for DPS, yeah, you're looking at five minutes on, on a yeah. wait time a lot of times. On the low end. Yeah. But there, I mean, there, I don't know. There was times where it was less than that, but more often than sure. not, it's, it's going to be five minutes. Yeah. And I feel like it has gotten a little bit worse lately. Yeah. As it, I, I haven't I played it in the last few weeks. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about the sequel structure just because. I think more and more games are going to do this, particularly probably the games we're, we're talking about in this list, of, of, of having a sequel that is essentially an update to an engine and then adding some quantity of content, right? Um, this game's doing it. Path of Exile is doing the same thing for their sequel. Um, you could argue Fortnite's already tampering with that, with their Chapter 2. I'm just curious what you guys think, because to me, this seems like it's setting the stage for for a sequel that would be smaller than a proper sequel. Like, it's just going to be like, oh, hey, pay this, you know, and this may not be full price. This may be 30, 40 bucks, but let's say it's 60. Pay $60 for a few PVE experiences right um and nothing new i'm afraid that that's going to set a new standard yeah it's going to set a new standard where you have all these games that are saying sequel that are really just glorified expansions over and over and over again i'm i'm a little worried about the precedent well i mean destiny it's like 30 (laughs) bucks and it's i mean all of that shit's like hundreds of hours of fucking shit i mean it's a different time investment yeah yeah I mean, Destiny is like if you want to stay current with it. So absolutely, I mean, like it's a lot of money. I'm not, I'm not ignorant to that at all. It's a lot of money, um, but it's yeah. As much I, as, I as much shit as there's a time, it, it, there's a value yeah. to yeah. it. Even if it's just some of the weapons, the new weapons that they add, you're looking at shit loads of time just to get the new weapon they came out with this sure. season. You know, the new ritual weapon they're calling them now, or whatever. You know, so. I don't know. I give I give Destiny a lot of shit, but it is it is good. But yeah, I see what you're saying as far as these, you know, half games that they're selling is well, like Overwatch two. Is it yeah. you know what I'm saying? Or is this Halo three ODST where you sell right. me a sixty dollar game and it's a yeah, game man. with a Halo three multiplayer disc? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, because I mean I didn't go I, over I, well I, when they did that. Is the world ready for <laughs> half sequels again? Yeah, because I mean, I I I'd like so. I like how Overwatch feels, and so like I I think the having a PvE environment PVE environment is something I would be interested in. But uh, like, how in depth is that going to be? You know, like right. what's my incentive to play that? Um, is it going to be ten hours, or is it going to be thirty hours worth of sure. PVE stuff? And mm-hmm. and I if have to just- think that most people playing it now regularly like like this group we might be interested in pve but i think a lot of your people that play it regularly why they like it is the pvp they probably don't give two shits about pve uh, i just don't know how how successful that would be another game i think okay. we should talk about is rainbow six of all of these games to me this is one of them that has the most room to do crazy shit so like this crossover event this movie's called Money Heist. I don't know jack shit about this fucking Netflix movie, so forgive that. But um, 
the event is just a hostage rescue set in a bank. To me, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Do a heist. Do a goddamn fucking heist. You've got this great shooter mechanics and stuff. Add a new mode where it's a heist where you got to break in, you got to steal something, you got to get out. Um, I've talked about it probably before. I think one of the most interesting competitive experiences I've ever had in online gaming was that Kane and Lynch game that uh, I, I was going to it. <laughs> because it was, it was a heist game and you were all on a team and you would rob a jewelry store, you'd rob a bank or whatever. And then you could kill your teammates to take their money. Yeah, and and, oh, and get out. Or but if or if one of your teammates died as you were doing the heist or whatever, they would come back as a police officer and you could bribe them, you could drop them money. They could be dirty cop. You'd be like, Hey buddy, leave us alone and here you go. Or, you know, now they're your enemy and you're having to fight against real players. And so the whole game was really psychological and you're having to trust people. So it was a really interesting mechanic. And right now there's kind of an absence in the heist game. You have Payday, but Payday 2 is incredibly old at this point. I mean, that's what, a 2013 release. Jeez, yeah. I don't know. Like, like that's just a sign to me. Like, there was a mode you should have used. You should have tied it to your new map. Like, I feel like a lot of these games had this moment where it was like, you could make a shit ton of money if you will fucking throw everything at some expansion, some piece of content in the fall release. And I think a lot of these games kind of miss the mark. Uh, we'll roll on to Fortnite. Um, Fortnite did one of the bigger things of these groups as far as they dropped a new map. Uh, this was back in September, October. Can't remember exactly. But they're calling it Chapter 2. And so one thing that they've always done is they they have these season-long events that it kind of the map changes. You They have these things that alter everything. They've had fucking rock concerts within the game. They've had the whole game world blow up. They've done all kinds of crazy shit. Um, and they get to this season, they put out a new map, and then they went radio silent, essentially. And I don't know if that's just like maybe they had some turnover in their communications department. I don't know if it's just like their whole team's so fatigued from the crazy amount of uh, content they put out over the last two years. But they started doing patches, but weren't releasing patch notes. They didn't weren't saying hardly anything on social media. They weren't responding on Reddit. They just basically went dark for about two months. <laughs> Only this week, I think they they finally released patch notes for some changes they made, which is very unlike what they've done in the past. They've usually been pretty open forward with that kind of stuff. Um, so something seems to be happening there. They also extended the season by two months, which makes me think something's either very wrong or they're intending to do something mm. really big and they, they needed to kind of buy their time. Um, and so I think they were coming into this season with like, oh, yeah, let's try to keep pushing this this game forward. But it seems like they kind of pumped the brakes or something at, a, at the worst possible time. Um the most recent thing they did is they, they added a Star Wars skin or something. But I mean, like, they don't have any in-game event that's really leaning into Star Wars or something like that at this point, like they've done with other movie franchises in the past. Um, so I think Fortnite's kind of had a misstep on that. PUBG is in still in kind of like a rebuilding kind of phase. Um, generally speaking, they've released new maps over the last two Decembers. Last year, they did Vikendi. The year before that, they did Miramar. This year, no word on a new map. They've just been improving the pre-existing maps. So they did a really major overhaul to Erangel. 
I would say more like slight tweaks to Miramar. And then Vikindi, they did quite a few changes just last week. So they're kind of making those maps better. They're refining player movement and just some of the basic systems, the loot systems and things like that, improving loot drops and stuff in the map. But they're not putting out new content. All they're doing is leaning on their battle pass each time, and they've seen their player base drop 83% over the last year. So what they're doing, not working. It's not working. And I kind of hate to say that because we, you know, we've hopped into it a few times here lately, and I think the gameplay is better than it ever has. I've had a blast. There's nothing new. There's nothing to entice you. There's nothing to snag new players or keep people who've been playing it around, really. Um, Brooks, would you agree with that? Do you have a different view? I know you've been playing it as well. I feel like it's fun again. There are certainly people you can tell have never quit playing it. Uh, that'll just cap your ass. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, the firefights felt fun that we got into. Uh, we played quite a few matches recently, and uh, I mean it's it's still PUBG. It's it just it feels like it's polished better. Things tend to work a little better, um, other than not loading the map until you're halfway through the flight. Uh, but Classic. It, it's another one that I just think it has its own following. Right. Um, well, it doesn't have it, much it, of that following it, anymore. It's they do. A little, I think, to keep keep it fresh, uh, but not as much as some of the yeah. other games on the list. Um, so they've put you know quite a few maps out since the original Arangel map. Uh, weapons, there's quite a few new weapons, vehicles. Um, even they even added right. the, well, you, you could find a flare, and you can call in different things, Ooh, yeah, uh, like a drop or an APC. Uh, so it's like I said, it's it's a good time. Uh, sure. I think so much of that game is who you play it with, and uh, you know, just knowing you're yeah. probably not. Oh yeah, a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So do silly shit, and it's good. It's a good game, but no, they didn't capitalize on anything. If that's what you're asking. So I think Apex has done a little bit better of a job than Fortnite or PUBG within the last couple of months. They added a new map. They've been adding different limited time modes that I would honestly like to see be permanent additions. They've had duos, they've had solos, um, and they've done seasonal events as well. Um, and so these are kind of things these other games have done, and it's just the first time Apex has done them. Um, and, and so it's new to that game. It may not be new necessarily for the genre, but because of that, I, I think it's given fans of that game more reason to stick around because it's new to them um so i i would say of the battle royale kind of staples apex has probably done the best job uh, of keeping it fresh they had they had some benefit of those other two games being out for a little while you know just on the the start of the game you know they they were they added some features that nobody was doing at the time uh well like we're being able to respawn teammates so there's there's some little stuff that i think they benefit from being the last to the party. So I, I think that one's good. And they, and they still like tout like, Hey, we hit this many players and stuff like that. Whereas Fortnite and PUBG both are very quiet about how their player base is doing right now, which is generally the mark of like shit's not working. Um, and so, and, and then I want right. to move on to GTA online of all the games we're going to discuss. Yeah, baby. I think GTA yeah. online has done the best job. Of, of going, okay, pretty light fall release schedule. What can we do? 
Oh, I know. Add a fucking casino update. Make this landmark in the game that people have wanted to go mm-hmm. into and interact with forever. Yeah. Put yeah, it in. Forever. They put it in. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, six fucking years after the game came out, they have their highest player count. Like, that's nuts to me. That, yeah, it's super fucking really so impressive. That is. So, impressive. of all these games, they're the ones figured out month after month. I mean, I don't think they've ever fallen out of the top 10 best selling games in a month, and they're generally in the top five since it's come out. It's just a stupid fucking success story in, in video games. And, and Kyle, I want to talk to you about it. It's, what, has, what keeps you in GTA Online? The amount of time that it takes him to load in and out. Spinning a wheel to get a yeah, spinning a wheel to get a vehicle that's worth a lot of money. <laughs> Simple as that. No, I mean, Listen up, Apex. I mean, it's, they've they've made it easy. You know, I say they made it easy. You can exploit the game to make it easier to make money with yeah. the new betting. So that's getting a lot of people. Uh, I mean, I've looked at my stats today, and most of my money has made been made from betting. Really? Uh, so that's keeping. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah. I'm at twenty three million. Yeah. From betting, and then like there's these other like little jobs and stuff, and then they didn't show how much I spent on shark cards. So that was good. Is someone <laughs> managing your assets? <laughs> but no, they, just, they keep putting out. Ever find out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they keep putting out uh, you know good you know deals, discounts, what have you throughout every every week. They update that um, continuously, coming out with new cars and yeah. stuff that are really cool. So. Yeah, and, and I, I wanted to talk about this one alongside Destiny because I think both of them do a good job of incentivizing player play, but they do it in different ways. Because to me, GTA hooks you with mm-hmm. the kind of like power and wealth fantasy of the game. Yeah, glamour. <laughs> yeah, it, there, it, so much of it is this not just collecting items, but but building out kind of this empire empire and this luxury lifestyle and stuff and it's it's kind of like what doing the bad stuff yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's kind of like what you thought in some ways like oh if i work hard i can make it just like scarface you know it's a kind of place into Mm -hmm. that fantasy um and and i i think that that hooks a lot of people it's a nice way to kind of end a day hop in feel like you're building Mm -hmm. something checking boxes and and you can see very tangible results to the activities you're doing in that game and and destiny doesn't really have the wealth aspect of it but it has still that power fantasy for me it's tied largely to like i love hitting a wall in that game and going fuck I've got to figure out a way to get past whatever this obstacle is. An obstacle could be a raid. It could be some dungeon. It could be some fucking hard-ass mission that's tied to exotic weapon. It could even be PvP. Sometimes I hit a wall in PvP where I'm like, this fucking loadout's not working. i got to find something. Um, and so I think that that's why I like Destiny is just that power fantasy and then the fine-tuning of builds and all that kind of bullshit. Um, uh, the mechanics. Yeah, it kind of hits you on that front. But I think GTA did a much better job of Destiny. Destiny, you know, every year since 2015, they've released an expansion in the fall. And Shadowkeep is one of the lighter as far as just overall content, but it was one of the more major drops as far as changing the fundamentals of the game, improving systems, restructuring strikes and how the reward system works from that. 
restructuring the Crucible playlist, stuff like that, which is all well and good. And I think Bungie's in a spot where they're prepping long-term, which good on them. But to me, it feels like they're squandering some of the momentum. Like, I think Season of Opulence this summer when Menagerie came out, that was Bungie at the best it's been in a while. Like, Destiny 2 at the best it's been in a while. That was fucking dope. Yeah. And then they did their Moments of Triumph armor grind in August, which was fucking terrible. Armor was cool, but the grind itself, what you had to do to get those rewards, awful. Killed all the momentum they built up that summer. Right before I think that's the one thing they need to work on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's why I'm on GTA right now instead of playing that game. It's just the stuff in this game is more attainable than the the crap in Destiny as far as time-based goes. Sure. Sure. And... And so then, you know, to me, they, like, killed their momentum right before their expansion came out. Expansion comes out. I think the story content that's super interesting. I thought the the story content was fine. The raid's cool. All that stuff, well and good. But they're doing seasonal content from now until next year. And their seasonal event this time was called the Vex Offensive. And you just go in and you do kind of this short six-man activity and you fought the same boss over and over again, and it rewarded okay loot. Like, the loot drops were generous, but, like, the weapons themselves were, like, I would say mid-tier. They weren't, like, anything to write home about. And it's like, fuck. It's the same activity over and over again. You didn't do anything to differentiate it. If you compare it to the Menagerie, which it was, like, all these different encounters, different bosses each week and shit like that, it, it paled in yeah. comparison. And I'm just kind of worried that if, like, that's your seasonal fight, like, if every season you're adding some event that's at the same scale as that, I'm a little concerned for how that system's going to play. Because Season of Opulence, you had Menagerie. Before that, you had Season of the Drifter, which did Gambit Prime and had some really cool fucking backstory for the Drifter and introduced some cool weapons. Um, Before that, you had Black Armory, which has a shit ton of cool weapons, also a cool story. I just... Man, I, I don't know if that structure is going to play. I'm kind of curious about that. It seems like they're leaning really hard into their premium content, Eververse, and their Battle Pass type thing, which is okay, but I'd rather just have new content. They said they were going to work on Crucible a lot this season. Crucible's still a fucking mess. And it's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, they're nerfing Recluse. They're nerfing okay. One-Eyed Mask, which will help a little bit, but... There's still so many things to go fucking fix in that game. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm mixed on that. They, they went free to play, brought in a bunch of new players, all that kind of shit. Well and good. They have cross-save where you can play it on different platforms, have your same game save. All that stuff, good. The rest of it, I'm not so sure. But it seems like they're just thinking of the future. We'll see how it all pays out. But anywho. Okay, we're going to burn through these reviews because we've talked mm-hmm. so long about... This game is a service, but I wanted to talk about it. And the good thing is, Risk of Rain 2, I had such a terrible time matchmaking on it that I could hardly really play it. Thankfully, my good friend Brooks hopped in and helped me get through some of it. Yeah. Um, yeah I helped a lot. You did help a lot. You were, you were damn good at the game, much better than I was at it. I guess I'm going to kind of explain the basics of this game, Brooks. I'm going to kind of toss it to you to kind of give me your, your impressions, if that works. Um, so this is a, a roguelike in a way, in the sense that you're, you're basically set up to fail the first few times you run through it, and you start unlocking additional characters with other abilities and stuff like that. 
and you can gain more power more power just through that and you unlock skills to further improve your character i would liken it to you know how pubg or fortnite or whatever took the survival genre games like daisy rust and they synthesized it into a short pvp experience this game takes the loot shooter games like borderlands or destiny and synthesizes it into short pve experiences so you're running around you're grabbing these buffs these buffs stack there's no limit to how many times they could stack so you can get like a million speed boosts and you're just fucking zooming around the map you can get things that increase your jump and so like that. So it like fucking breaks the game when you start stacking a ton of that stuff. But it's that aspect of it's really fun. It's it's really cool, um, and it basically turns into a bullet hell as you're playing. Because the longer you're in a mission, the harder the difficulty gets. More enemies that are on the map, and you're looking for like a portal to get to the next stage. And I, I would say that like. When the game breaks is when it really gets kind of kind of cool uh, as far as just your ability stacking so like that. Brooks, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I mean it, it was very interesting. It didn't help hold my attention for a long time. Um, I don't know what the depth there is. Yeah. Or how viable that that game could be over a long period of time. Sure. Uh, towards the end of when we were playing, it it reminded me of when like Nazi Zombies first came out. Yeah. Because yeah, actually, yeah. you kind of progress through these stages of like you drop in and you go get upgrades and when you kill enemies you get money to buy upgrades and like Joshua they stack and so you get stronger and stronger and then you teleport to another area and you keep your upgrades but you lose any unspent cash so you have to kill more enemies get more cash keep getting upgrades and it's just this like loop of trying to stay alive um, until you can you know go to that next stage and then you just reset try to stay alive. Uh, so it's fun. I mean, seeing how long you can last. Uh, how it's far like adulthood. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Just try to hey not oh. die. Oh, yeah. yeah. Story of my life. But no, it it, it was. It's fine. Yeah, I I think one major problem for it, like I said at the beginning, is just like matchmaking issues. I never got in a team of four just matchmaking. Um, so obviously the game has a player base problem. I think it would benefit a lot from being on game pass. Um, because anymore, I mean, you look at buying games, it's like, okay, I could buy a $30 game, which is what this game costs, or I could pay whatever price for game pass and have access to a shit ton of games. A lot of which came out this year. It's like a hard, like for a game, you know, it's going to be a smaller experience. It's not going to be a ton of hours or whatever. It's hard to go. Mm, okay whenever you're looking at just the value of the other. Um, but I need a battle pass. <laughs> they need a battle pass. Yeah. yeah. They, Give them a minute. It's, <laughs> it's fun, but I, I just don't know who the, the target audience is for this, because I think anybody that likes a loot shooter game likes building up that inventory and having the items. And if you lose all of that at the end of every run, <sighs> to me, it's fun. I don't see how you're going to hook people at all, but, uh, so I think that one was fine. It's if it goes to Game Pass or something, I would say check it out. It would be fun for playing with some buddies for a little bit, but it's not one I'd really recommend buying. Uh, moving on to Control. So this is a game Remedy put out at the end of August. I didn't pick it up before now just because it had issues with performance on console uh, that I think was pretty quickly patched out. But um, Remedy is famous for they made Max Payne, they made Alan Wake. Uh, Quantum Break, 
And so they've been doing these kind of narrative third-person action games for about 20 years now. I think Max Payne came out in 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Um, I've, I think I've bought every game they've made in the series and stuff, and I've enjoyed every single one of them. And one thing I'll say about them as, as a studio is I feel like we're in this time where a lot of classic studios have been around for a long time seem to be having misstep after misstep. It's like they can't hang in this new era. Uh, people like Bethesda, people, um, fuck, uh, Bioware, you know, some of these companies that have great mm-hmm. reputations that are, have just kind of fumbled of late. Yeah, I agree. Fuck Bioware. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I like about Remedy is they basically have been making the same type of game for 20 years and they keep refining it and, and finding new ways to make that type of game interesting. Whereas a lot of these games have like, okay, we've got to reinvent this game. It's not working anymore. We've got to do blah, blah, blah. They have made essentially the same. They've stayed in their lane and just keep improving and refining on, on their formula. And so this is a narrative-driven game. Beautiful fucking visual design. Like just when, just when like the fucking title card of the game comes in, when you walk into this area kind of after a brief introduction... And like you're you're interacting with the world, and then the title card of the game comes in, and just the sound and how it looks, even that alone is fucking sick. The music's kind of this ominous synth shit. You're the whole premise of the game is you're going to the Federal Bureau of Control. You had this like kind of paranormal incident in your childhood, and your brother was separated from you, and you've been trying to find him. And you come to this place, and the Federal Bureau of Control is a very, very much a modern office. It looks like very sterile and basic. But as you go deeper into it, you have these, this kind of, it's called the hiss in the game, but it's this element that's like corrupting that office. And every time you cleanse it, the whole area shifts. And so you have like all this rebar and all this shit just kind of like puzzle piece backwards and fix itself. And so the map's constantly evolving in different ways. Um, and so it's it's a game with a lot of mysteries, both about yourself, about your brother, about this institution. Um, and it does a lot of really fascinating things with traversal and... Your abilities, you kind of have like this dash ability. You can do it in the air, you can do it on the ground. You can hurl objects at enemies with telekinesis, and uh, that's super satisfying. There's a really cool weight to that. Gunplay's good. Yeah, I'm trying to burn through this. We've talked so long. I'm sorry. Um, and then, it honestly, like playing this after playing Jedi Fallen Order is pretty interesting because they're similar in, in how they're set up. You have powers, third-person action game, narrative-driven. This game is so much darker than Jedi Fallen Order that it's, it's almost hard to play after playing that game because <clears throat> that game, while it might have some darkness, is like held together by the friendships you make with your crewmates and your, your BD-1 robot. Like there's, there's this lightness that comes to the surface through these human and robot connections in that game. Whereas I think control kind of needs that aspect to to lift it out, some levity. It gets pretty pretty dark. One thing that's actually super good in the game is just the collectibles you pick up. They're like written reports and shit like that, which I usually would not care about in a video game. Hmm. But they're super interesting and actually like provide insight to future missions, hints at different stuff within the world. 
and and give you really good character background. Like like I don't think I've read one where I thought like oh that was stupid, that was a waste of time, that was poorly written. Like they're all written really well, they're all interesting. One of the few games I've seen like oh shit, the collectibles are actually like worth looking into and one of the better parts of the game. The boss fights are great in the game. Uh, it's another game that I think does a really good job of making you think okay. I have to use my abilities in a tactical way. Kind of like Jedi Fallen Order, where you expect to go in, oh, I've got the Force, whatever, I'm just going to hurl shit and beat the crap out of everybody. doesn't work in that game. This game is the same way. You heal kind of like Doom, where you have to kill enemies and pick up orbs to heal, so you can't be passive. You have to be aggressive, but if you're too aggressive, <laughs> you're gonna, you can get killed super fast. So it's it's a lot of kind of guerrilla, guerrilla tactics where you have to be very careful and kind of pick your fights and... Um, that's not to say it's not batshit crazy half the time, but... Something like Gears over here. <laughs> what are you say, Brooks? Oh, I was going to ask, uh, can can you be passive-aggressive? You can be passive-aggressive. Yeah, the Hunter's special. <laughs> can you be like, oh, Try, that's my move. Really, I could really use some of that health you just have laying around on <laughs> over there. No, no it's fine. It's it. fine. I'll probably, it's fine. I'll probably res in a minute. I, I can, I'll just respawn. No, don't worry about it. No, don't, don't, don't. Don't list over into my stream of bullets here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm probably six or seven hours into it. From what I've read, it's probably about a 12-hour campaign, so I'm not quite done. Um, so I haven't quite decided my final verdict on it, but I, I think it's really good. I think if you like Remedy games, the only complaint I really have about it is it does the stupid interior monologue that almost all of their games do. And it does it a lot in the middle of just conversations. So your character's talking to somebody else, and then she has her interior monologue, and then resumes her conversation. And the interior monologue worked okay in Max Payne because you weren't interacting with a lot of people. It was a lot of like, oh, I've got to investigate this, or oh my god, they killed my wife, and blah, 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 blah. In Alan Wake, it was like, what the fuck is going on here? I'm writing a book. You were an author. Like, it made sense for you to have an interior monologue. This right. game, there's no fucking reason for it, and it feels so clumsy in the middle of conversations. Just let me experience the revelations as she is experiencing them. I do not need her fucking thoughts to to tell me how to feel about it. Like, they're done in such a hokey way from a studio that generally does very good on storytelling and the story is good. It's just that part feels really shitty. Um, but aside from that, so far I'm really, really enjoying the game. I, I think it's hard to beat Remedy as far as just narrative or um, creating a world that you just feel completely enveloped in. I think they're one of those studios. Somebody's like, "Oh yeah, the, you think video games are all right? Prove it!" Like they're a studio. I would be like, "This is art. This is proof that video games are are important and should be discussed." But yeah, it's great. Um, I think that's that's a wrap on my end. Brooks, will you help us wrap this episode as we wrap every episode by telling the good folks at home what's in the box? Absolutely. Just in time for the holidays, boxers. It's our <laughs> What's in the Box 2020 holiday calendar. Okay. That's right. Gift it to anybody who needs more Kyle Sammy in their life. <laughs> more pictures of his feet. More pictures of his old up, naked upper torso. Hang it on your wall. Realize you have a calendar on your phone and leave it on January until probably maybe like August. And then you're like, oh shit, there's a lot of pictures on here. This is still on January. And then flip through them really quick. 
get aroused because they're all sensual photos of Kyle. <laughs> There's one of me playing GTA, but I'm in a strip club, but then I'm naked in my share plan. Oh, wow, levels. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's a How many it's bitcoins? A, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a very graphic calendar. It's probably what Tencent sent me more rice cakes than you guys. <laughs> you got more rice cakes, bro? <laughs> I thought we had an agreement. Oh, also, I'm leaving the show to stream Fortnite professionally. That's <laughs> uh, baby. I was waiting for it. Don't forget us in the... Uh, in the clouds when you get there. 